Fishcast. We are now in August. Tory Long here. Charles Fish buying there. How you doing, Fish? Good, good. I'm. Uh, I like our guest today. We're gonna have to start a GoFundMe page since his daughter's getting married soon, and he, you know, or he's oh. gonna have to sell a lot of subscriptions Yeesh. today. Yeesh, yeah. I mean, I, I forget how much Dad paid for my uh, sister's wedding, but uh, he took that. He took that one to the grave with him. I tell you that much because it was a lot. It was uh, it was it was definitely it was definitely the cost of a down payment on a really nice house. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, of course we got an old friend of the podcast Lee Sterling in here as we always like to bring him in before the season starts and talk a little bit of the numbers, the numbers game, check out some win totals, get his opinion on what teams might overperform, what teams might underperform. Some of you might call it gambling, but. We live in Florida. We're not allowed to do that in this state. You know, we're allowed to do everything else in this state, but talk about Campbell. So we'll just talk about it as a numbers game. And we're always love to have you on, Lee Sterling. How are you doing, Lee? I'm good. Um, like I said, a blessing and a curse. Uh, excited my daughter's getting married. <laughs> um, not too happy they're going to visit the Lowe's Hotel to see if, if that could be one of the venues for the <laughs> wedding. So... Uh, hey. I don't, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna get off easy here. So <laughs> listen, two exits past the Lowe's Hotel is a comfort inn. They got a really nice ballroom. <laughs> no, no, the point. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, come on, we can go higher than that. I I suggested La Quinta. I'm like, I'm sure uh, yeah. they got a ballroom. I, I mean, Fairfield is really, really right. nice. You know, yeah, Fairfield that's, that's is a nice team. hotel. Right. Like, oh man! You know, we want, as long as the hotel has, as long as the hotel doesn't have doors that open up to the outside, I think it's right. in play. You know, right. interior doors is what we want. All right, right. Lee, how, so first of all, Lee, how'd you do last season? How was college? How did college football treat you last season? Uh, it was good. Uh, was it the greatest season of all time? No, because I didn't finish off strong. I think I lost like ten of the last sixteen games, and. Uh, the last, you know, thing you leave a, a client with is always not the best. But we had, a, I think we won like eight or nine weeks to start the season. So still a very successful week. But whenever you're in my business, and, and Fish has seen this, I've played a couple recordings for people when they're upset and uh -huh. they lose. Um, there's one time a guy, never forget this. Um, it was Western Kentucky was playing FIU. And I think Western Kentucky was up 49 to 7 the second the second drive of the third quarter and put took all their starters out and then by 10 minutes to go in the game they had the entire third string in and of course they fumbled FIU scores were laying 29 and a half points one by 28 it was a big play for me and i got this message from a client that uh distraught that he bet his whole bankroll on the game. Of course, when they lose, they bet everything. When they win, they give you no credit. But said that uh, Joey wasn't going to be able to play t-ball anymore, and he only had <laughs> only had a, <laughs> only had a, a, a loaf of bread and bologna <laughs> in, in, in the fridge for Joey for the next couple of weeks. So I felt bad, but um, we won. Well, we probably hit fifty-five and a half, fifty-six percent, and and that's a great year. I think I've had one. Going to my 30th year, I had one year where I hit 60% and everything went right. Anyone telling you they hit 70, 75%, it's just a lie. 
Well, they're they're not playing the volume, obviously, for the most. I right. mean, if you if you if you're playing four bets a year to hit three of them, that happens. But no, but I mean, everyone, you know, every, you know, when they're doing it on their own, everyone's an expert. Yeah. You know, whenever I get someone who calls me and they tell me how great they're doing, I'm like, well, why are you calling me? You don't need me then. So, <laughs> um, but what I will give them, Corey, is you're going to get my best shot. I'm a former college quarterback, played at Southwest Texas State, now Texas State, and I spend all summer. I mean, I start, and actually, as soon as the spring games are over, I've watched almost every single – I think I've watched 109 out of 133 spring games of college oh teams. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Um, now, I think I've watched, watched – what's, what's great now is – Nine spring games is, like, just torture to me. <laughs> like, well, what, what's great now, you can watch in about 22, 23 minutes. So go to yeah. YouTube and – and you can watch and and you know there's sometimes I can go through three four spring games and not see much and then there's a couple. What you're looking for is I want to watch more than anything new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, new quarterbacks. You get two of the three or all three and see how they're working together. Um, that's a plus. Or you see a a backup quarterback that's better than expected or or not going to be very good. And let's say the starter gets hurt and. Uh, you know, this quarterback's not going to be able to get the job done and might be from a program like a Texas. And they're, let's say, playing BYU and the line is close to pick them. Well, you know, you've got a seven to 10 point advantage. So I'm doing all that studying. So once the season starts, it makes my job a lot easier. All right. I can't argue with nobody who watched 109 spring games. I'm sorry. Like, fish, fish, you know, fish covers high, fish has the high school thing for a living. I don't think he watched 109 <laughs> spring high school spring games this year. Well, <laughs> college is a little bit better than high school. So, um, <laughs> like, Larry's, Larry, school, Larry's watched 109 like, yeah. spring games. Larry, Larry, Larry's watched, watched, he like, watches 10 minutes and then he leaves to like yeah. the one down the street. He watches five minutes. So he, he does like 100 minutes and he's watched like 42 teams. So, I think he well, watched, what, two, didn't he? I think he said he went to two, four, 240 or 255 high schools. This year, yeah. so um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. The, the only problem is if if any of these kids have a beautiful mother, all of a sudden his 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 yeah. you know his 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 being honest about you know how good a kid is is thrown out the window. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. If the mom's yeah. good looking. That kid goes from like a one star to a five star real quickly. <laughs> looking, I can hear Larry. That kid can play in Alabama. You know, don't let don't let his five foot six height fool you. Yeah, I, I get it, Larry. I get it, Larry. All right, so you know what? I'm gonna we're, we're gonna get rolling. We're gonna get right rolling into win totals. You're down there. You're down there in the apex of South Florida. We got Miami, the Miami Hurricanes, seven and a half. I like them. I think on my. Uh, I think I said I was doing some stuff on my blog. I said I projected them to go. I was kind of breaking out an A and M game, and I said I think they can go eight and four this year. I really like. I think they can finish. I think they can, especially the second half of the season, I think they can do very well with their schedule. But seven and a half is the number. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What, what do you think? I think you have a good observation, Corey. I think they're headed in the right direction here. Uh, Texas A&M, like you said, that's the key game. They win that game. They got Miami of Ohio beforehand. Uh, Bethune-Cookman after at Temple. Georgia Tech. You know, they're probably sitting at 5-0. and oh. They they upset A&M. Now they're a 7.5-point underdog. But if you remember that game against A&M, they were running the football. I mean, I think they had like something like uh, – like
175 rushing yards in that game. Should have won the game horrific in the red zone. They just had the wrong offensive coordinator uh, for the team. I mean, came with good pedigree, did a good job with Michigan the year before. But I think the change in offensive coordinators, getting rid of a lot of the dead wood, a lot of the kids that weren't buying in, also recruiting probably the best offensive line coming out of high school that Miami's ever recruited, that's going to pay dividends. They just didn't have the right offensive line. Can't run a power spread with guys that are finessed, and um, then your quarterback got hurt midseason. So that's the key game, A&M. If they can pull the upset there, look out. Are they going to win 10 out of 12 games? No, but I I can see them winning eight or nine games, and uh, who knows? They win that game heading into North Carolina and Clemson. uh, There's going to be a lot that I like. I also like their special teams. They were number 10 in the country. I think they have one of the best kickers. If their punter does a decent job, um, look out. So uh, just need to find a feature running back. And I think uh, they've, they've got some kids that are going to be really special. I'm really high on the running back that they got. Mark Fletcher saw him play in the state championship, uh, state championship game against central. What I liked was a lot of guys that send out film and, you know, they get these high rankings. Well, what, what Fletcher did in that game, he got better as the game progressed. And if not for a fumble by a receiver, I think they win the game. And he also catches the ball well out of the backfield. They just need to find a feature back and keep uh, TVD help, healthy here. I'm going over seven and a half in the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. What I look at, Lee, and, and with this number is one, I think they have pretty much six guarantee wins. Now, do you think they could go two and four in the other uh six games and I do I do think they could get those two wins in there I don't I know they they have some tough games in there but I do believe this team's good enough I agree with you uh I saw the two freshman offense alignment down at UM and those aren't normal looking freshmen I I think both of them have the potential to play on Sundays be first round picks I agree with you Fletcher is a difference maker at running back you know Mario likes to run the football you remember when they played Ohio State what did Miami and I mean, Oregon and uh, Mario do they ran the football and they beat Ohio state at Ohio state because they were very physical up front. He's building a very similar team. I just think fans need to be a little patient because he's taking a team that was very soft uh, at a lot of positions. He's putting that, uh, that, that physical style in on both sides of the ball. And I agree with you. I think this is a team that is going to meet the number and go over it and have a better season than last year. Uh, you know, I, I think with the way that they're, they're, the, the team is set up, and, you know, Lee made a great point about their offensive line and just new coordinator, just a, a new philosophy. Last year, they were very reliant on Tyler Van Dyke. And when he got hurt, I mean, everything seemed to shut down. And I'm sure, Lee, you always got to think that worst-case scenario is that your starting quarterback goes. That's always usually the worst-case scenario. This sort of team... No team can necessarily survive a starter going down, but the way that they can run the ball as well as I think they can with the line that they have and with the style of football they're going to play, they can maybe survive a, a quarterback going down for one or two weeks. Right, Whereas, right. like, they just couldn't survive it at all last year. It was horrific. Quarterback play was terrible. <laughs> then they couldn't run. And then also Xavier Restrepo was out. Don't forget about him. Uh, he went out before the Texas A&M. I think he was out six, seven weeks. And even when he came back, he was not the same. So having your number one uh, weapon and did a good job in the transfer portal, 
I mean, Matt Lee, don't discount him, the offensive lineman from Central Florida. Uh, Cohen, the offensive lineman from Alabama. I mean, this looks like a, an SEC offensive line, and I, I don't think you can make that kind of statement uh, going back at least 20 years. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, huh. The Florida Gators. Now, I I'm of the belief that they're going to be playing. Uh, they're going to be playing. They're going to be at the swamp playing FSU. And uh, what will be this week 13 with a chance to get to a bowl. They're going to be five and six in that game. Their schedule is absolutely brutal. I mean, it's just yeah. even even they're not even their easy non-conference games. It's like boy, if they're if they're banged up, they might have trouble in those games. So. You know, you've got the SEC schedule, one of the toughest in the conference. You get Utah to start the, start the year. That's, that looks like a disaster. Uh, Florida State to close the year. Just all the all the all the all the fun in between. Five and a half is their number. I think it's I think it's going to be tough to get to six. I think it's going to be a hard hard road to get to six. Another great observation, Corey. Uh, the quarterback starts with the quarterback. And Graham Mertz, I think he's dog shit. I mean, if you watched him, <laughs> releases the ball late. I, I mean, he's just not a good quarter. In the Big Ten in his career, 32 starts, 38 touchdowns, but 26 interceptions. He averaged like, like less than 13 touchdowns a year. That's it. That's horrific. I mean, there's some terrible defenses in the Big Ten. You're playing the Northwesterns, the Indianas. Um, I mean, I can see late November, it's harder to throw the football, but just didn't get the job done. It's not like he runs the ball either. Almost no escapability. I mean, if he doesn't start, I mean, it's going to be uh, uh, Jack Miller. If you watch the spring game, he was horrific. Um, they got a the couple decent backs in Etienne and Johnson. Those guys are decent. I like Ricky Pearsall, but I mean, they're projecting, get this, two offensive linemen to start. One guy played a Baylor, was mediocre at best. Another guy started a couple games in his entire career uh, at Alabama. And then on defense, they're projecting a nose tackle to come over from Memphis and start. And I, I, I just I don't see it. I think this is a full year in transition. I think um, Billy is uh, recruiting well. But I think it's at least – they're at least a year or two away from competing. And if you think the schedule's tough this year, wait till next year, maybe the toughest schedule in the country where Oklahoma and Texas join the schedule. So um, they got to get lucky. Here's the way they, they can get to six wins. Someone like uh, the U Utah quarterback right now who's hurt and might miss a week or two, he's not able to play. If you face a couple backup quarterbacks, uh, let's say at Kentucky – Kentucky is much improved. I mean, outside of Vanderbilt, uh, McNeese State, and Charlotte, I don't see any given wins here. South Carolina is much better. Even at Missouri, uh, second to last week of the season is going to be a much tougher task here. I think Missouri. they go under. I, I haven't won in four games this year. Yeah. Missouri right. has always given Florida trouble. They've yeah. always given them trouble. I mean, Corey and I watched the Oregon State bowl game, and Jack Miller came in, and, and honestly, I, I, if I had eligibility, I think I could throw better than him. He's, I can't believe that kid. What wasn't he at Ohio State? They definitely yeah. they missed on, they missed on that evaluation. Listen, yeah, Ryan Day, 
to roll a toilet paper after that. After oh, that my ball. God. He was he terrible. Was and I agree, Graham Mertz is the worst quarterback in the SEC. I don't I, – I, I guarantee you the guy at Vanderbilt is better. They've got the worst quarterback. I think Billy Napier is a good coach. I think that he has – he's recruited extremely well this year. I just don't know if that fan base is going to give him time because this is going to be a rough year. This is going to be one of those years that they could they, they they could lose pretty much every game except maybe one or two on their schedule. This I agree. I don't think they're going to get to six. I just think the schedule is way too tough. And I even if I I think Utah owes Florida a favor after last year. I thought we all. I think I I definitely picked Utah to win the game. I don't. I can't remember who you picked, Lee. But I definitely think that Utah was a better team last year. They get yep. them at home. I just think traveling, you know how it is for East Coast teams to travel west. They usually don't do well. It's going to be in two time zones are different. Uh, um, the elevation of playing at a higher elevation. I just think Utah is going to freaking take it to them, and it's going to start off rough. And I don't see it getting much better as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, this is a – this is all foreign to Florida football. Playing an elevation, playing a West Coast game to start. Like, this is all, I mean, I mean there's Corey, nobody in that program that knows anything about that. Corey. It happened just like 1978. Corey, I mean, Corey, they were trying to get a 2025 quarterback to move into the 2023 <laughs> class this year so they could get – that's how bad their quarterback situation is, is they wanted a junior quarterback – to enroll th this fall in hopes that he would play this year. I mean, like you can't be that bad and expect a, a kid that's not even a senior in high school to come in and start. That's a bad situation. And I just don't think they can overcome it. Uh, well, I know that the quarterback situation, I know they thought they had a Tulane kid transferred and he decided to stay loyal to uh, Willie Fritz after they won the bowl game. USC and that kind of, but I still don't understand his thought process with like I with Florida. I know Florida's got some NIL money somewhere under someone's couch. There's no way I'm leaving with just Graham Mertz. There was enough movement out there to where they could have had themselves a a more serviceable, a more a more serviceable player for the. And this is the SEC. You got to be able to move a little bit. And he, well, remember, remember Corey. Remember they were recruiting. Um, well, Miami first had, remember the kid, Jaden Rashada, looked like he's yeah. come to Miami. Yeah. Then he switches and go, it says he's going to Florida, and that whole L NIL package fell oh, apart. Yeah. Then oh. he ends up at Arizona State. So it all starts at quarterback. I mean, it's going to take some some time, but uh, they're going to have to be patient, just like Florida State did. Uh, I would have given question Rashada. Is, I would have given Rashada an open checkbook, man. Honestly, I would have said, "Listen, man, sign this. It's already signed. Just put the number down you need, and we'll cover it." Yeah, I think he's got three years. This is year two. Um, hey, let's before we discuss the next team, Florida State. Let's just look at the situation they were in. Uh, the first year they were three and six, and then they were five and seven. Mike Norbo would have had a bad year last year. He would have been done. Yeah. Now, and going to Florida State, that's a good segue. We can jump in. Nine and a half win total this year. Last year, they had, if I'm not mistaken, they ran through a stretch where they played five backup quarterbacks in a row, yeah. which I don't know if it necessarily boosted them. I think they might have won most of those games, regardless, of, but it made them look like world beaters for about a five week period there where they just, 
the no one could score on him because they had no there was no quarterback he played that was worth a shit. So this year I can see them winning their final eight games regardless of what happens with those Clemson and LSU games. It doesn't look like there's anything back there that can affect them. Maybe a pit situation. Maybe you know, maybe one of those teams. Maybe Miami later in the season to catch them on a bad week. But outside of an injury to Jordan Travis, is there any way this team doesn't hit the ten win mark? I, I think it's a little high. I think it should be at nine flat. At nine and a half, I think the public is going to bet Florida State. Remember, they won four games by a touchdown or less. Had every break go their way. Um, I think they're the same team. But, okay. you know, in, in the course of a year, you know, they get really almost had every single break go their way. And when that happens, the next year, those balls that, you know, bounce one way into the hands of your defenders and you get a turnover – uh, you make a play at the end of the game. You know, a lot of times it just turns around here. So um, they're going to have to play extremely well at home. I think they got to win that first game at LSU. And LSU's a different team last year. In that game, they won 24-23. I did think they were the better team, but the difference from last year to this year, LSU is going to be stoked. They'll be much stronger. So they win that game, yeah, they probably go over. I haven't won in nine games, so I haven't going nine and three. Uh, very slight lean to the under, but Jordan Travis uh, is good. Do I think he's much of an NFL prospect? Probably not. More of a runner, not a great thrower. Doesn't have great size, only 6-1. I mean, they're good. They're solid across the, you know, offensive and defensive fronts. Got some really good transfers. Got a kid, uh, Roddick, offensive line, who started three straight years in Colorado. Another kid, believe it or not, who started all four years at, at UTEP. Um, he'll step in. He was one of the best offensive linemen in that conference. They finally, I think, finally got a tight end here. And Bell, kid started 11 games last year at South Carolina, had over 750 yards, and uh, also a couple difference makers on defense. Got a kid from the uh, – I mean, the Mid-American Conference got rated. Any good player on a team like Ohio or, or Western Michigan, <laughs> Michigan in this case, they've gone to a better team. So uh, – they got a couple real good kids uh, in the holes they had. A defensive tackle kid from Western Michigan uh, that started, and also a kid from Virginia, a cornerback that's going to be able to come right in uh, Ventral Centris and, and start. So I, I think they win nine. They're a solid team. Only the uh, you know the breaks may not go their way. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Is that I I call them the fifty fifty games. Every fifty fifty game last year they won. Um, all those bounces did go their way. It's it's very hard to do that two years in a row. I think they're a very good team. I don't think they got better. I think they are they're they're slightly better, if anything. But I don't know if this you know Florida State fans are expecting national championships, winning the ACC, playing in the playoffs this year. I, and and Jordan Travis is the Heisman Trophy winner. I think they're a very good team. That number's right there. That I wouldn't take it. I, I personally, if I was doing it for uh, recreational purposes. I think the number that that half a game is a hook of what yep. Vegas is trying to trap people that think that this team's going to be a playoff team this year. Um, they're going to, they have to win one of those first two in uh, September, the Clemson or the, uh, or the LSU, LSU game. game. Yep. If to get to that 10, if they lose both, then you're basically, you're, you're having no, you know, run the table the rest of the way. So you have to win one of those first two. 
And then you have to hope that, you know, listen, last year they lost to NC state and, and one of those games is, is possibly in there. And, and then you look at the Louisville game, they should have lost that game. The backup came in. I do think this is a very good Florida state team. It's just the expectations. Can they be met? And I'm not sure if they can, they are right at that. Vegas has that number right where it should be. And they're begging you to take that nine and a half. So one other thing, um, also, when you're the hunter, it's a little bit different. Now they're going to be hunted. Yeah. And coaches will spend more time offseason preparing for Florida State, whereas I think they went into the year and people thought, you know, at 5-7, and seven, they were probably a 6-6 six and six team. And uh, like I said, every break went their way. They caught teams with backup quarterbacks. I don't think we've ever seen that before, five teams playing backup quarterbacks in a row against the team. Yeah, I was just – I remember every week I'm like, fish. They're playing another backup quarterback. Like, because, like, yeah, but you know what? That they, just... I, listen, that it's that's what happens in college football. You know, yeah. a guy goes down, and most teams now don't have a backup to the starter. It's just the way it is with all these transfers and everything. So, I can't think, I don't think you could blame Florida State for that. They took care of what yeah. they had to. Uh, they still, they, they did finish the year very strong. I mean, they were blowing teams out. <laughs> Outside the Oklahoma game, which, um, you know, those bowl games could go either way. Florida State was favored by a lot and did cover. But I think Florida State did what they had to. This team's gotten better. They got better at the wide receiver position. The O-line's a lot better. But defensively, I think we still have some question marks of how good this team could be on defense. They're going to give up a lot of points. I Like I said, would it shock me for them to get 10 wins and then get 11 in a bowl game? No, because I think they're a very good football team. But we've talked about this, and I think Lee will agree with this. I think it's easier for these teams to get to that nine-win total. When you start talking 10, 11, 12, that means that you have a very, very – it's not easy to get to 10 wins in college football. I don't care what team you are. I know that Georgias are doing it every year. But that's a that's a small group of teams. Once you get into those double digits, you're, you're talking about being one of the lead teams in college football – they're right there. Uh, they have a great shot with this team. I think Florida State, this is the best team they've had since that 2013-14 season. So they have a chance, but that that first two of those first four games, playing Clemson, who they haven't done well up there, even b- before Norvell got there. And, and you know, Clemson's always been a tough place for them to play. And the LSU game, remember, LSU – barely lost they missed an extra point at the end of the at the end of the game they could have put that game in overtime and all of a sudden LSU pulls out the win LSU is a very good football team they want revenge we know how that goes those teams usually come back and win the following year if they lose that LSU game I think that Clemson game is the most important game of the season for them they have to win or basically you've got to wonder if a lot of those kids that were transfers do they sit there and go well you know what the season's kind of over we're not playing for national title anymore who really cares about a meeting? Do, do kids start taking themselves out, not sitting for the rest of the season, but do they mentally check out? They have to win one of those first two, I think, in this season. Yeah, um, you know, I it's still uh, Florida State. I'm worried about their run defense. Uh, last year, I think they were 93rd in the nation in, in, in positive run gains against them. I think they rely way too much on Fabian Lovett, who is a who's a very who's a good player, a solid player, but when he's I mean, when he's in the lineup, they're decent against the run. When he's not in the lineup, it's like they don't have anybody else that can stop a team from running up the gut. 
Uh, you know, Wake Forest showed it last year when they beat them. Uh, Clemson showed it last year. Florida and Oklahoma gashed them. This Lovett was still kind of in and out of the lineup. Florida absolutely gashed them with Travis Etienne last year. If they would have run the ball more in the third quarter, they probably would have won that game. Well, one of the so, big things is is the Jackson kid from Miami. There's reports yeah. coming out that he may not get the waiver. He might not um, get the waiver, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big loss if that happens. I mean, basically, he's a starter um, at a position. That we're basically down to Fabian uh, Lovett becoming the you know that uh, best Hall of Fame defensive lineman that if he misses a game, Florida State can't stop the run at all. So you don't want to be in that position again. Yeah, definitely not. Um, you know, I, other than that, I, I'm still kind of, and I, I'm, I'm still kind of with them in 10 wins. And we, we, as we always say, I always say for me, it's 10 to 12. I think it's the hardest thing to do go from 10 wins to 12 wins. Cause you've got to, you've got to win a road game at that point that you're not expected to win. I think that's what separates the 10 wins or the 12 wins. You've got to win games on the road that are going to be a lot more difficult. So for me, ten and two, I'd still probably take the over on the nine and a half. I see where Lee's coming from. I think they're they're they are a team that cannot afford it. I mean, Jordan Travis, he's very elusive, excellent, dynamic player. He can still get hurt. And I know Tate Rodemaker was great for a half against Louisville because Louisville decided not to not, basically decided not to, not to cover Louisville, Johnny Wilson. Come on, Corey, Corey, Louisville. I mean. Fish's flag football team plays better defense than Louisville. Yeah, they decided to cover Johnny Wilson. They yeah. single covered Johnny Wilson with a five foot eight cornerback, which made no sense to me. Over and over again. It wasn't like just one <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, all <laughs> game. So, yeah, but I think Louisville's a lot better coach this year, too, but they don't play them, of course. But, you know, I think Jeff Brown wouldn't have that happen. Now, quickly jumping yeah. in. Uh, well, no, I'm going to go quickly on UCF. Six, yeah. uh, six and a half. I was in the five and seven range all spring. I think reading a bunch of magazines that seem to be a little bit more bullish on the Knights than I am. Yeah. I kind of got sold on them maybe winning seven. I say the Boise State game, if they can win that game on the road, I think they can definitely get the six. Six and a half seems a little high. The quarterback's going to get hurt. Now, Gus did a good job in the portal, and with and the quarterback depth there is actually good because he's got two more guys that play similar to the guy that he's got, Plumley, that you know all can run and not throw very well. But ah, they they're good up front, uh, but I think they've got some 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 speed advantages. But the Big Twelve is a different beast. Teams score a lot of points in that conference. Corey, they played last year. Get this. Listen to some of these teams. They lost to Louisville. They lost that game. Yeah. They got to play South Carolina State, FIU, FAU, who was in transition, Georgia Tech, Temple. They lost at East Carolina by three touchdowns. They got to play at Memphis. Memphis was not the same team. Navy, they lost that game at home. They got to play USF. The only two games that were tough, they played Tulane twice, SMU, and, and Louisville, who's decent. I, I I don't like this team at all. Now, Gus Malzahn, I like his schemes. He's, I mean, if he can get that one-man advantage, one side of the ball, the other, he's going to take advantage of it. 
John Rice Plumley, when you have a, a starting quarterback, when he's your leading rusher from the year before, that's usually not a good sign. He ran for almost 900 yards and 11 touchdowns, but he only threw for 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. There's a reason he didn't stay at Mississippi. Probably should have moved to tight end or a slot back. I think he's a great athlete. Uh, I, I like their running back, Harvey. I think he's good. Uh, I just don't think this is a great team. And like you mentioned, competition, different competition. One one also glaring problem, 36 sacks. They gave up 36 sacks to maybe one of the top five most mobile quarterbacks in the country, and they lost that center, kid who's coming to Miami. Center's the most important position in college football. In the NFL, it's a left tackle. It's center, college football here. I think they win four or five games. I think they're going to have a tough time. I think they're going to get bitch slapped at Kansas State. I think they're going to lose at Boise State. I think they're going to lose at Kansas and probably get destroyed at Texas Tech to end the year. Very overrated team. Gus Malzahn wins four or five games this year under the win total there. Yeah, I mean, they play Oklahoma. They play Oklahoma State. Yeah. Corey, the reason, and we talked I'm about this. I'm to win those games. No, but the but, reason I didn't like UCF this year is, one, when you're a team like UCF that relies on your speed to win games, you could win in a bowl game against an Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State where it's a one-game playoff, basically, and you have nothing to lose. Your team's healthy. They are playing teams in the Big 12 that are just more bigger. They're more physical. They're just as fast. I just think UCF's going to get beat up this year. And by the end of the season, they're going to be a beat-up team that has lost their confidence in a transition to a conference that doesn't fit their skill set over a 12-game season. Like I said, in a one-game playoff, they're yep. fine. But you're talking about Kansas State. They're a very physical team. That's on the road. Then they go and play Baylor. Then they play Kansas, who's going to score a lot. And then they got Oklahoma. Like, where's this team's mindset going to be after those four games? They're going to lose probably four in a row um, against those teams. And Boise State, I, I don't see them winning that game. I don't see a lot of guaranteed wins on their schedule. I agree with Lee. I just don't see this team, um, you know, getting to where they need to. I, listen, when they hired Gus, I thought this is a team that would win uh, 10 to 12 games pretty much every year in the conference they were in. I do think he's a very good coach. I think he has good coaches on his staff, but this is a trend. They do not have the personnel to survive the big 12 schedule this year. I just think you're asking a quarterback that can't throw. They're going to be in a lot of 40 and 50 plus point games where they got to outscore these teams. And I don't think they're going to hang with them. I think they're going to get worn out and they're going to be lucky to get to six wins. I, I agree. I think it's a four to five win team. Okay, I mean the six one six and a half week total does seem a little high. Even I was even I was like they have to beat Boise. I think if they beat Boise, they've got a really good shot of getting to the bowl. Oh, they may not beat Kent State, dude. All right, they're gonna beat Kent State. Stop. <laughs> they're not that bad. We'll give not them bad. We'll, give them, we'll give them Kent State and Villanova. Every other yeah, game can be tough. They're not a bad team. The thing is, in the Big Twelve, you've just those games get so crazy. There's so many. You can play a good game offensively and still lose, you know, 49 to 48. I mean, Oklahoma lost some crazy close games last year. They weren't as bad as their record would indicate. They just did not win any of those super tight high scoring well, affairs. Like UCF's not meant or built to score in the 50s. I mean, and these 
teams could put up 50 in a game. 45 to 50 is not a it's it's not a shocker. I mean, Kansas scores a lot of points. Yes, yes, they do. That that they do. And I mean, I'm a big fan of Kansas State. You know, Chris Kleeman, probably one of my favorite coaches in the league. I, I get it. I mean, Kansas scored Kansas scored 57 on Texas last year. You know, uh, that's a uh, lot of they Texas. You know, yeah, you know, Texas will give up. Texas takes at that point. You know, you don't know which week. Which week oh, actually, that Texas was, decides to quit. All right, come on. Actually, that was it was was that last year? I don't know. They scored a lot of points Here's last. Four. I think that was the year before the All overtime right. game. Right. With, okay, the yeah, overtime. with the fifth yeah. string tight end to yeah. walk on. Well, I'm just the, saying Kansas can yeah. put up Kansas can put up points. It's not like this team is just they, they have no problem throttle. You know, I mean, well, their bowl game last year they were down by four touchdowns, I think, at one point, and they scored and almost won the game. They can score, so these teams are going to put up points. And I just don't know if UCF can. You know, UCF. Is not gonna, is going to struggle to put up forty points on teams. I just think yeah. so. Yeah, that's the thing. A twenty-one point lead in the Big Twelve is not a safe lead at any point. That's a scary you don't part. Take, you don't take players out until you're up forty points. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely not not in that league at all. Yeah. Uh all right. So we'll kind of run through these last. We're going to run through the last a little quicker. Yeah. Uh, we we had Alex, we had Alex Golish, uh, USF head coach, on the Fishcast last week. Thank you. Once again, coach for stopping by. Their number is four and a half. I'd love for USF to get the five this year. I think the schedule is a lot easier because the American, you know, you, you got three very good teams in the American in the Big 12. Now they were replaced with like rice and potatoes and collard mm-hmm. greens. Uh, so I think they should be a lot better this year just because the schedule is going to be more friendly to what they do. Are they a good team? No, but I think they can win some uh, shootouts. The key is um need to survive Alabama. I, if they fall behind by three, four touchdowns, you should play the backups. Yeah. Uh, Bo, if if Bohannon has a good year and he, you know, he was hurt a lot last year, you know, he only played about started about uh, seven, I think seven of the 12 games. So if he can start 10 or 12 games, I can see him doing it. A lot of, a lot of high transfers they brought in on offense. Uh, a couple of kids from junior college, Tennessee, who played Virginia Tech on the offensive line. Um, even Anaquan Wright as a running back will add some nice depth and be able to play a lot. So I can see him winning five games here. Uh, can't get any worse than last year when they went one and eleven. Yeah, I you know Corey I. I'm a fan of Golish uh, even before he was on our show. I, I just – he has a plan. We talked about it. I thought Jeff Scott was a heck of a freaking coordinator at Clemson. I just think he had the same problem Chris Ash had at, at, at Rutgers. Is these guys were at programs like Ohio State and Clemson where you're winning. They think, oh, I'm going to get this – I'm going to get a Trevor Lawrence to come to USF. Maybe not to that level, but that level's type of Trevor Lawrence – Instead of taking the guys you can get, the Bohannons, and, and playing them, I, I just think USF is in an easier conference this year. I think this guy has a plan. They're going to play high tempo. They're going to they are going to score a lot of points because of the tempo that they're going to play at. I think he goes over. I think USF is going to have their best season um, in probably at least five, six, seven years. I don't know when was the last time they had a winning season. Actually, but, 2018, they went seven and six. Yeah, I think they're close to being – I think they could get – what's their total, you said, four and a half? Four and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think they're going to go over, and I think they could reach that six-win total um, if everything goes wet, right. Yeah. Um, um, 
with USF that over against Western Kentucky, what's the number on that, Lee? The 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 which the certain game you're talking the about opener, Western Kentucky. The season opener against Western at Western Kentucky. What's the opener? What's the line on that? Um, I haven't looked at the line yet. I haven't started doing individual games, so uh, it's out there. I just haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a that's a big win or lose. I think that's a, that's going to be a really good litmus for what kind of team we're going to have this year. Because right. I'm looking for USF. I mean, I've I live here in Tampa, so I I got to experience a lot of bad Jeff Scott football. I just want to see a team that's competitive. <laughs> if they don't win, be Western Kentucky. That's understandable. That's a tough place to play. Early in the season, you know Western Kentucky is going to throw for yeah. 500, 600 yards, but I want to see their 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 compete level. And, and remember this also, yeah, competing is the most important thing. Teams improve most from the first to the second game. Yeah, I, I, so many times, people and even a lot of handicappers they make mistake. It's that first thing that that they saw. They remember it through week seven or week eight, and there there will be trust me, there will be three or four teams that'll lose the first game that'll reel off at least four straight wins against the spread after that. So um, good coaching makes a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of good coaching, Tom Herman is yeah. down at FAU, and they're seven and a half. Uh, they kind of always teetered on the five-six win total with uh, Willie Taggart. Uh, Tom's, I, I see he's got some nice pieces in there. They were still looking for some transfers late. But he did a good job. I think he's a damn good coach. I think this is a hell of a hire for yeah. FAU. Uh, it feels like in this conference, in the in a, in a revamped American, when there's not outside of UTS, outside of a UTSA, there's not in Tulane. There doesn't seem to be a lot of tough teams. I think eight wins is pretty possible. I agree. Um, I, it was a home run hire. Casey Thompson, great quarterback for this level. He did well. I mean at, at at, at Texas and also Nebraska, threw for 41 touchdowns and about a uh, little over 20 starts. But um, I also like they have a really good backup. And Daniel Richardson can, was at Central Michigan, had, get this, 43 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. So he may not hang around here. Um, wow. Probably should because uh, if he hangs around here, he'll be the starter next year. But I think he, he might be one of the few really good backups Larry McCrimmon, uh, he can run the football, first-team all-conference, had over 1,000 yards last year, averaged 5.2 yards per carry. Um, just so long as his defense stays healthy, new 3-4 base defense, I think they can get it done. Like I said, absolute home run hire for this level. He did a great job when he was at Houston. Um, he's at an even lower level now, so I expect him with 18 returning starters to do a good job. I had no idea Casey Thompson was at FAU. I, it I happened thought it was, late. Happened late after spring. I got to tell you that what a steal! He's going to win eight games. Uh, yeah. I, I had a chance to meet with him at one of the uh, camps they had. Very impressive. Uh, very yeah. likable. He's a guy that you want to be around. I think he's a home run hire. Uh, you can't do better. They were in a lot of games last year, Lee. I, I even the last game. Which Taggart had to win. They were they were winning the game and they found a way to lose. They were in a lot of games last year. They could have won and should yep. have won. And I think Herman's going to be the difference uh, this year. I, I definitely think this team's going to go bowling and have probably one of the best seasons they've had since Kiffin was there. So um, the whole thing is that you, you don't want to do too well because then all of a sudden 
(laughs) knocking at the door of the head coach. You want this guy here a couple years, but um, you know, it's, it's definitely a situation. I think that uh, FAU, whoever, whoever makes their hires for them, um, they do a very good job of finding, you know, getting these coaches that are up on that rebound. Um, But uh, Boca is not a bad place to live. No, Lane had a good time for a couple of years. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he sure did. Nice, nice place to rehab. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe he doesn't shoot for a Texas. Maybe he goes, you know, for, for a school like Cincinnati or something like that, go from making, you know, let's say a million and a half, two million a year to making three and a half, four million. Um, I think most of us could get by, get by on a million and a half dollars a year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that yeah, a million and a half, I, I, I could do all right with a million and a half. <laughs> I can even I can even live in Boca Raton for a million and a half dollars. That's not, that's not oh, yeah. bad at yeah. all. Uh, I don't even know what conference is FIU in the American. They still in Conference USA. <laughs> no. I, think, I, don't, I don't think they made the trip. Yeah, they're just in yeah, Conference they, USA. So a lot of a lot of schools downgraded in conferences. They upgraded. They're in Conference USA, and I think it's gonna be really tough for them. You know, they um, almost anyone who was decent transferred out. And I think Mike McIntyre is a good coach. I just don't know how he he did a better job recruiting this year than the first year when he was hired late. But um, he's just going to have to build uh, with local kids here and supplement it with transfers. But I mean, they're projecting five or six kids that are came through the transfer portal starting. Uh, they lost their best running back, uh, one of their best offensive lineman, best defensive lineman, best linebacker. All these guys transferred out. Win total is three and a half. Uh, I got them winning three games. I mean, I think they'll beat Maine at home. Uh, other, I mean, Jacksonville State at home is no give, gimme. At Sam Houston's a tough game. Those are two teams that finally made the move to Conference USA that are very, very, very good at the level they were playing. Um, even at New Mexico State on a Wednesday night is tough. Middle of that's early October. That's a tough game. These Wednesday and Thursday games, you got to travel one or two time zones. Uh, it's almost impossible midweek, and uh, I think they win three games. Yeah, the Yankees Ooh. don't have a farm system this good. I mean, like <laughs> they, they literally are, are every team's farm system. They had like two two offensive linemen go to Power Five schools yeah. this year. What channel is showing a Wednesday night conference USA football game? Is that going to be a Trust me, hey, FIU streamed the game last year on like a, a an iPhone. I swear to God. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there was one game that's funny, and I think I had the game. But you'll probably you'll probably see it on True TV. Usually True TV is the only time you watch in March Madness. They might have gotten the rights for a couple Wednesday night conference USA games. Honestly, Fish, I think we get the rights for those games for about 500 bucks. Oh, I, I definitely they're really, I, cheap, they're really cheap TV rights. I, I think we got a Manny freaking stream the game. Slice of pizza. Slice of pizza and a Coke. Uh, not Slice from your them. pizza joint, Lee. <laughs> All right. That's true. For, that is true. For, real quickly, Lee, there's a couple. I think yeah. George is at, what, 10 and a half? Or yeah. le- Their schedule is awful. Their non-conference schedule is like, it's one of the worst in the nation. You see any way that team can't hit 11 wins this year outside of a quarterback injury? It'd be tough, um, but you never know. You know, you have an injury to a quarterback. We're, we're, we're teams like that, like the Alabamas. I have a tough time betting them. Let me give you one under though that I love okay. in the conference. I love the under on Tennessee. So 
Tennessee last year, you talk about a team having everything go right. Tennessee, I mean, I, I, they couldn't have had more luck. And I think teams, you know, they had gone seven and six a week before. They had a quarterback, Hendon Hooker, 27 touchdowns, just two interceptions. He was, I thought he was going to win the Heisman if he doesn't get hurt. He was that good and had a receiver, maybe the best receiver in college football last year, Jalen Hyatt. Turned out they would line guys up 25 yards off the line of scrimmage to cover them. It wasn't enough. And uh, he's going to end up being a great pro receiver. So maybe the best college quarterback last year, maybe the best wide receiver. They beat Alabama in maybe the best college football game of the year. I know it starts off easy, Virginia, uh, and then Austin P. But, you know, I could see him, you know, having a tough time with South Carolina. A&M will be improved at Kentucky. Looks tough here. I, I just see them at nine and a half wins here. I'm going to go under nine and a half for Tennessee. Everything goes right. They win nine or 10, but I could see them winning seven or eight games this year. Hey, Lee, where can, uh, where can interested uh, parties catch you? Do you have some social media presence out here? Do you like to keep it down low? Yeah, I do, actually. So uh, Paramount Sports is the website, ParamountSports.com. Uh, Twitter, at Paramount Sports. Um, do Instagram also, Paramount Sports, and uh, be our 30th year in the business. So uh, Excellent. check us out. We do everything. We do football, UFC. Believe it or not, I had an eight-no card last week. That didn't happen nice. often. Uh, we had lost the week before, a couple tough decisions, but one eight-no. Anyone yeah, wants I, to get I a UFC? I would have lost. I, I love Dustin Poirier too much to bet against him, yeah. so okay. I would have lost. Well, but and I, that I, one, I and that, that one, fight, that, that, that was the toughest. That was the toughest decision for us, and we like Gaethje. The reason was just thought him coming back after a loss. You know, two good fighters. One was coming off the loss, had a lot. Uh, you know, to, to if Justin Gaethje loses that fight, you know, I wouldn't say his career's over, but um, he just had a great game plan and felt yeah. that he was going to be ready for that fight and. Poirier maybe a little, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say high on the hog, but it just maybe a little distracted. It's tough after you want to fight against another great fighter to get as high again as as he would have gotten to win that one. So uh, uh, that was that was uh, we only had I think one decision. So we do UFC, we do baseball, basketball, uh, and also believe it or not, hockey. I've got a guy. How about this name? So my daughter's fiance now. He was in law school. You'll love this story says to me one day, comes over to watch some games on a Sunday. He says, Lee, do you do baseball and, and hockey? I said, well, I used to do baseball. Stopped. It was only about 10% of my business. Really wanted to watch, you know, college uh, spring games and and just get recharged over the summer. He's like, I got this guy in my law school class. He goes, doesn't pay attention. And all he does is he's handicapping baseball and hockey. He goes, he's a savant. And get this name. Not James Bond. His name is Jack Bond. He's an attorney now, 28 years old, lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been doing it the last three years for me. So uh, he's had a winning season in baseball and hockey three years in a row. So uh, we do it all. Anyone wants to get involved, check us out at the website. Even have like a preseason football special or the entire season in football. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Excellent, excellent. I, I was going to say, I did hit the uh, boxing match last week. I had Crawford under 10 and a half rounds. And that hurt me because I love Errol Spence, but 
Terrence Crawford is a different human being, man. At one forty-seven, I stopped doing boxing. You know, just I used to be a boxing fan. I used to walk around when I was a kid with Ring Magazine. I'll never forget that <laughs> middle school and high school. Um, but you know, you watch. I just watch, after you watch UFC up close and personal, it's tough to to watch a boxing match and really get that into. I know that was a big big match, but except for the few big boxing match yeah. matches, I like the fact that a guy can be losing the whole fight and, you know, he gets a submission. Uh, they're still in it, so uh, yeah. just think it's uh, more interesting, maybe a little bit better athletes. Man, I, I still I still, print, I still hurt watching Kamaru Usman go down that head kick. It just changed yeah. his career. Oh. Another, he was winning the whole fight. Just winning the you. whole fight. Yeah. Final 50 seconds, he gets popped yeah. with a head kick. Right. Oh. Yeah, so... Well, Lee, well, I appreciate uh, you coming on, man. It was good to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Let's see if we can bring you up midway through the season, see how things change. We'll see how things adjust. Until then, okay. wishing you a great season, my friend. Congratulations on gaining a son, uh, yeah, keeping finally. a daughter, losing a lot of money. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> As long as he takes care of my daughter. she's. Yeah, I least- love her a lot. She's the family, or- more, a little more family-oriented, my young one, younger one that lives in New York City. But uh, sometimes she can be a little difficult. So as long as he can deal with it, Lee needs a sixty percent season. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> you need a sixty percent plus 60% season this season. year. <laughs> so then people keep doubling up on their subscriptions. That's right. Uh, take care, Lee Sterling. Thanks, thank guys, you for joining the Fish Cast. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. All right, Fish. We're, we're now we're now in preseason. Fish training camps have started. Uh. FSU once again threatening to leave the ACC. It feels like things are back to normal. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, and I think they're going to leave the ACC. So well, yeah, yeah, it's now a matter of Drew Weatherford uh, came out yesterday. Basically, well, he came out the day and said it was a matter of when, not if. Yesterday, I saw you know he had a little thing on one of the uh, one of the one of the websites where he basically said he was a lifelong Seminole. Love Bobby Bowden, wanted to always play there. If someone had offered him a million dollars, he'd have played somewhere else. Uh, so, you know, it's it. this is not one of those things. And I look at it and I say timing is everything. Because if they, leave, if they leave today, if they leave after this season, it's a $120 million buyout. I think it'd be... 250 and change and grant a right. So it's going to cost you just south of $400 million to eventually buy that out. We're going to have to do over a period of time. But you wait two years, that number drops to like $300 million. And that's, you know, it, 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 so it does get a little easier over time. My, my feeling is we're looking at a 2026, after the 2025 season. And there's a couple of reasons I think that. Uh, the Big 12 has a really short contract coming up with uh, ESPN. I think it just covers this season. I think it just covers 2024 and 2025. So when they go back to the table, a lot of money is going to shift around. And that's when I think a lot of moves are going to happen. So right now, FSU, they're barking. They're letting people know they're going to leave. I think ESPN is going to look and say, especially if ESPN – continues their direct-to-consumer plan. They don't want to lose, you know, they don't want to lose those eyeballs, especially if they lose them to that to that, to that, that package that the Big Ten has. So, you know, I think they're going to put themselves in a position to 
to get somewhere and, and get and get to a place to where they're appreciated. They can make the uh, revenue money they, they think they need to make through TV media rights. No, there's there's no doubt. Um, I, I just think, listen, you don't go out there and put yourself out there and uh, like that unless you're deciding to leave and the decision's already been made. I think this is something. But we talked about it. If the Big Ten is paying hypothetically or is going to pay $100 million a year um, and you're only making $30 million, you can basically – cover that nugget really quickly yeah. over a four or five year period. You could take out loans through this. I'm sure they could take loans out to borrow and not have to, you know, hurt their, the university that much. And once they do it, you know, that number is not going to be 400 million. It's probably going to be somewhere in the 150 to 200 million. Then all of a sudden it becomes a lot more manageable, just like Maryland, Maryland made that decision. Um, and these schools that listen, when you're getting paid a hundred million a year, 400 million doesn't seem like a whole lot when you think you could do it. If you, if you spread it over 10 years, you could basically borrow against that and your program's in a lot better shape. Um, you know, you, you'll have, you, you have access to a lot more resources bringing in a hundred million a year than you do, uh, 50 million, you know, or 40 million. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a uh... You know, it's uh, seeing this, seeing all this stuff go down. Some of it's okay. I mean, Colorado moving to the Big 12, I'm fine with. Arizona moving to the Big 12, I'm fine with. I, I hate to see what's happened to the Pac, Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-10, whatever they are now. But, you know, that's poor leadership, unfortunately, on there. And they just yeah. really have had the wrong guys in positions to make decisions that, you know, it it's unfortunate with what's happened in college football. The the you know so much of college football's charm is based on the territorial nature of it. Of you kind of you know loving your team, loving your region, your area's got the best football, best basketball, best whatever. Things are you know things are going to get a lot more jumbled now. But I you know I always failed to understand why the power five did not operate as a single entity and do media rights together. Like what they did in the NFL where basically they sell off packages and yeah. everybody gets a piece and everybody makes a ton of money. But you know, college football is all based on guys having a measuring contest. So it's just, it was just hard, you know, unfortunately there, there is so much, there's so much, uh, you know, the the nature of college football is being selfish. It just is, you know. It's not, it's not like the NFL where the owners, where everybody wants to get rich. It, it's a, it's a selfish game, and it, it's just, it's it's gotten things to where it's just. My fear is it's just going to be unwatchable. Like these are these little media rights that everybody's getting. This is going to be the last time these rights hit these numbers. I just don't know if when these things come around ten years from now the game's going to be as, as appealing. Well, I don't think it's going to be like college basketball just because college basketball, the one and done um, deal. And that now you have um, the, the G league that's taken some of the top players. So it's watered down college football is always going to have these players. As long as the NFL holds this whole um, you can't leave till your third year. So the good players are still going to be in college football. 
there's a lot they got to fix. Um, they, they, they took on a lot of responsibility the last couple of years. There really was no plan of how to handle this stuff. It's been basically the wild, wild west. I think it'll start to get regulated. You'll see it calm down. I, I think the portal, I, I, I think you're going to see, um, the portal even, you know, I, I, you'll get a lot of players enter it, but I think you're going to see a lot of teams go, all right, listen, we can, we can win this way, but you're, you'll see a lot more coaches get fired going that route of not developing kids and not going after high school kids. That's just my belief. I, I just think it's not sustainable to recruit kids off all these teams. And a lot of them aren't even that good and you end up just maintaining win year after year. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to always love the sport as long as it's around because it's something I enjoy, but uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few years. They, they have to make some changes in college football where, like you said, it, the fans are going to just get frustrated and walk away from it. Yeah. It's like, there's thoughts about like, Everybody enters a transfer pool, not just players, but apparently programs into the trip. You know, like Arizona State, in the, Arizona, in the transfer portal. You know, it's like uh, San Diego State was the only team that jumped the transfer portal and had to jump their asses right back out, I think. Everybody else gets to move. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see some stability. I think, you know, between, especially on the personnel and between the COVID year and the portal, it's just been a lot of. You know, because you, you still got a lot of fifth, sixth, even some seventh-year guys that are still out there. But I think once that once that whole extra COVID year group moves out, I think you're going to start seeing a lot less movement in the portal and, and everywhere else. I, I just believe that. Because a lot of the guys that transfer are older players. You know, there's either, either they're super young or they're super old. You know, it's kind of, there's no, there's no either just leaving after their freshman year or leaving after their sophomore year and trying to redshirt grad transfer somewhere else. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's crazy. You do see a lot of, listen, I didn't even know the kid transferred to FAU. That Me neither. Yeah. I, I thought he was still at Nebraska. That's crazy. I had no idea because I knew, I do knew, I knew about Richardson. I thought he was going to be their starting quarterback. I mean, even in all the college magazines I bought, I don't think Casey Thompson's name was at FAU and and a move like that, that basically, you know, here's a coach that's worked with that kid at Texas and and he can throw the football. I, I just can't, it's helped them, but there are, I, I think they said there was something like 6,000 or 5,000 kids that have entered the portal in the last year. And it's, it's under 30% that found new schools. And it's just, it's that number you can't, it's, there's something wrong with the system that 70% of the kids go into this portal and they don't find another school. Um, I don't know if they should start making, you know, do you start making deals with these uh, division two schools where you're like, Hey, listen, we're going to send these kids down there because they need something. Yeah. I don't understand that. They do need something. Well, all right, Mr. Fish. Uh, I know you're headed into a weekend. Is this, when, when, when is the, uh, when is the youth football league? When does the season actually start? Um, I have no idea that it, is it, they have like a jamboree this weekend, tomorrow. Um, they've, the last two days have been rained out. So it's going to be fun to see what we look like tomorrow and against three different teams. Hopefully this week we don't get in a fist fight with the other team and, and, uh, it looks <laughs> more like normal. So 
Ah, uh, yes. How, how Broward County of you guys that get into fist fights at, at, at under 12 football. Yeah. So. All right, Fish. Uh, have another great week. Our, our producer, of course, is uh, Justin Otto. I got to give him a shout out. I'm going to give him one last week, so we'll give him a shout out this week. Uh, and, you know, I'm Corey Long. This is Charles Fishbine. Uh, you can always look at some fun stuff on my blog, which is Florida ftbl.blogspot.com that is my blog I've got uh, I've got both of the all uh, Florida high school all Florida high school college teams up now and both Power 5 and G5 and I have the top 10 uh, non-conference games by the, from, the, from the state football team so alright buddy Are you talk, take care you have a great week talk to you later bye bye